The following podcast is the audio version of a previously broadcasted program. It may contain words and expression which might require watching. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. We also welcome your comments, your suggestions, and yes, your criticism. For details on our broadcast, please visit sluza.com. That's S-L-O-O-Z-A-R.com. That's Sluza.com. The podcast begins next. Welcome to Sluza, the place for common sense. Today is Thursday, April 29th, 2021. My name is Mike Duchenne. Today we're going to look at an important event that just happened yesterday. The first address by the President of the United States to a joint session of Congress. For those of you who've watched this program before, you know that we do not report the news. We do not report current events. We do use those items in order to analyze important aspects of the current events and try to see the impact, the major impact, long-lasting impact in our society. As such, today we'll take a look at the speech given by Joe Biden, and of course, as customary, the rebuttal by a Repub Republican rep representative. Yesterday, the individual charge, uh, task rather to do that was Tim Scott, senator out of South Carolina. We'll get to that in just a moment. The past few days, the past few weeks even, we talk a great deal about what has been going on in the country. Since Biden took over the Oval Office, things have started to normalize, to stabilize. But one thing hasn't changed. The injustices done to blacks, the inequality, the racism, those things have not changed at all. In fact, it's as if there has never been a new election. There is not a new president. Of course, the rhetoric changed because from a president that encouraged division, racial, uh, in, in, uh, openly, to now one that wants to put an end to that. Nothing new. We've seen that happen again and again and again from various administrations, Democrats, and Republicans. But something yesterday caught our attention. And we'll take a look at that and see how, why today, more than 100 years following the end of slavery, blacks are still struggling. This is Sousa, the place for common sense. Welcome to Sousa. Glad you can make it. I am MD. This program is dedicated exclusively for those with common sense a spirit of patriotism and a determination for a more perfect union. Stay tuned as we begin the discussion of a very important, interesting and enlightening topic. Hope to hear from you soon. Happy listening. After reading several books based on presidents and on Obama specifically, 
I find that they're typically partisan. The Obama legacy targets the heart of the issue by giving credit to the president where it's due, but definitely coming down hard on Obama on his bigger failures, like his handling of the Syrian crisis. If you are in college, going to college, you are an educator, a faculty member, or someone with interest in government or politics, the Obama Legacy is definitely a book to read. My professor recommended the Obama Legacy. A friend actually recommended the Obama Legacy. I would highly recommend this book for anyone, whether for academic use or leisure reading. I would recommend this book to anyone out there searching for an impartial and unbiased look into Barack Obama's tenure as president. I would definitely recommend this book as a good read for both liberals and conservatives. Welcome once again to Slusa, the place for common sense. If you join us before, we do thank you for helping make this journey somewhat more bearable. If you join us for the first time, Slusa is a program dedicated exclusively to those who want to work towards perfecting the union. People who are patriots not in names, but people who really want to defend the interests of America, who want to make certain that the Constitution is followed, rule of laws followed, the elected official work on behalf of the people. Those are what we call patriots here, not people who decide to shred the Constitution to go into insurrection and say they patriot. Those are thugs, insurrectionists, seditionists. In fact, those people are condemned in the Constitution of the United States. Unless we want to do away with the Constitution, those are the boundaries that we have to respect. Anyone who doesn't and pretend to be a patriot is a liar. And we know we've seen great number of people exclusively in the Republican Party pretending to be patriot, claiming to be patriot, and yet doing everything that would damage our republic, that would do away with the Constitution of the United States. Now, as I mentioned, those are the people that we welcome in this program because it is that important. What has made America the envy of the world is not a president, a Democrat president, or a Republican president. It is the essence of our government. The world has watched a country for 250 years have no problem whatsoever transferring power from one political party to the other. And that happened again and again and again without any hard feeling. Until 2016, when Trump became president, and in 2020, that was the first time in the history of America we look at the country behaving just like any other third world, but more importantly, country run by dictators, by authoritarian. Now we know everybody always has some penchant, some inclination for holding on to power. But what has defined America is the fact that time and again, for more than two centuries, no matter how bad one failed to have lost an election, everyone abode by that very principle that you lost the election, it's time to transfer power in order to make certain that the Constitution of the United States survive. Not only we had an individual who did not respect, who did not have any concern for that type of institution, for that type of environment, but he was also assisted by Republican legislators, both congressmen and senators who instead of abiding by the oath that they took 
they pretend that they had some legitimate reason to prevent the next president from being installed. So that's what makes the predicament even worse. Because it's not just about an individual, it's the fact that the whole Republican Party, today pretending to love America, today pretending that they're working on behalf of the country, we watch them, not just the thugs that were ransacking the Capitol, but we watch Republican congressmen and senators trying to shred the Constitution of the United States. So we can say, as we have been saying all along, that those individuals are just thugs in suit. They don't love the United States of America. And those are not words that I just repeat because, you know, most people who have a beef with the other side always say, ah, this person is, on, is not a, he, he doesn't love America. In fact, the former president, every chance he had, always called the Democrats enemy of the country. When in fact, the very people that worked to damage America were not only he, but everyone who supported him. Anyone can say anything that they want because, you know, use words and, and sentences in order to express your opinion, that's fine. But the facts are the facts that during the four years of that previous administration, Republican, most of them, most of them work to destroy what has made America the envy of the world. So that's not an opinion. That's not a suggestion. The Republican congressmen and senators, they all work to destroy the very Constitution they all took an oath to defend and protect. So those individuals, I don't have any kind of uh, reserve or any kind of hope that those people love America. Yes, they can say that, as I mentioned, they're going to keep repeating that. And unfortunately, the people who support them, some of them are too naive, too gullible, and they believe them, and others, they want to go the same route. So America is in a serious problem because we have not only individuals who do not understand that to be a patriot doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything that happened in the country. You have to agree with a political party. You have to go along with a political party because we all have our grievances. That's okay because that's what makes a country work. That we see things that we don't like, we work towards changing that, towards improving that. And of course, the legislators whom we elect to represent us, we're hoping that they too will do that. But as a people, we have to draw a line. If we accept the, the legislators, the people that we elect, to represent us, to cross the line and try to dismantle the Constitution of the United States, at that point, we can rest assured that we may not have a republic for long. And unfortunately, that's what Republicans in Washington have been doing, and Republicans across the country, and on January 6th, we see the result of their action. So when I pointing to you that Republican in general, most of them, they do not give a hoot about America. I'm not saying that because I think of it. I'm saying that they have left behind a proof that when it comes to defending America, when it comes to stand up for the Constitution of the United States, that's not what they do. Of course, they have rationale. Well, we fighting voter fraud. You heard uh, Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, they all come up with all kind of rationale. All of a sudden, there's so much voters fraud, oh, they have to stand for voters fraud. But the reason that they could do that is because they rely on the ignorance of the supporters to make that kind of argument. Because here in the United States of America, the way that it works, according to the Constitution of the United States, once the election happens and the people go and elect a new individual, that's the end of the story. There is no Republican congressman, no Republican senators or Democrats that could go behind the scene and say, let's change that, let's turn that around. But unfortunately, on January 6th, that's exactly what Republicans were trying to do. So, standing on your on the 
on a perch and trying to pretend they are patriot, trying to pretend they love America. I mean, they can fool their constituents, they can fool their supporters, but I can tell you without any kind of uh, uh, reserve that when it comes to the interests of America, Republicans do not give a hoot. Every time that there is an opportunity that present to them to show that they would choose America over anything else, they prove that they will not choose America. Again, that's not my opinion. We've seen that happening. The former president caused it up with a dictator, an authoritarian in Russia. What did they do? They all defended him. So when I tell you those things, I'm not telling you that because, well, I thought of it. We have proof left by the Republicans for four years. They never showed any interest of defending America. In 2018, the former president went to Helsinki and buried the intelligence agency that we have here and elevating its dictators. You think you would have Republican legislators, uh, representatives, that would stand up to him and defend America? Of course not. They defended him and they sided with him. So when I tell you that Republican leaders do not care about America, that's not a statement. It's a statement of facts. So that's why I personally don't think Democrats should even waste their time trying to think they would work with Republicans because Republicans do not care about America. They have made that crystal clear. They do not care about America. So why would I work with a, a, with a group of people who simply con their supporters to believing that they care about America, but everything that they do is for their own selfish interest. Why would I work with a group of people like that? They do not deserve any kind of attention. In fact, every day that passes by makes me even more angry to think that Democrats believe that there is a possibility of working with Republicans, and I'm not even sure why? Now, there was a time that the people, Republican supporters, constituents, would take it upon themselves to root their party of people like that, bad element. But unfortunately, today, the Republican constituent, some of them are naive, gullible, and others actually have no problem destroying the, uh, the United States of America. We saw that. It's not my opinion. We saw that on January 6th, thousands of them descending into Washington to do exactly that. So we know we have on record Republican, both leaders and constituents alike, work against the best interests of America. Now, we're not talking about policies, legislation, because every time I have a conversation with my fellow Republican, they're always very quick to point out, oh my God, how about the Democrats? They do this, they do that, they do the other. One thing you can rest assured, and I am fairly certain that you, if you're a Republican, you cannot provide any example of Democrats causing, causing up with foreign government and elevating the foreign government over America, you're not going to find any Democrat having a foreign government interfere in our personal affair, in, in our election system. You're not going to find that. So you can hate Democrats all you want, but the fact remains, since the existence of this republic, only Republicans have done that. So you can be upset, you can pretend that Democrats are bad, but when it comes to patriotism, Republicans cannot pretend to be patriot because they have lost that, uh, they cannot wear that suit. The suit of patriotism doesn't fit Republicans because time and again they prove 
they cannot wear that suit. But today, as I mentioned, we're going to take a quick look at the first address to a joint session of the Congress by Joe Biden, and we're going to take a look at the rebuttal by Tim Scott. Now, we are not as much interested in the actual delivery but rather in the essence of. So we'll give you, show you a quick excerpt of uh, that. And then we'll take a look at what that entails in terms of what America is currently going through and why more than a century after the, the Civil War, more than a century after the proclamation of the end of slavery, blacks in America continue to struggle with a system that continues to prove racist, that continue to inflict injustice, and I'm going to also prove to you that once again, Republican, the Republican Party are the members of the Republican parties are completely against the idea of changing that predicament. Here in this program, we do not just say things for the sake of saying them, but we bring forth proof that what's causing problem in America, we point fingers to those responsible for it. As such, we're going to take a quick look at that important day in uh, the Biden administration, and we'll come back to discuss the impact of the rebuttal in just a moment. After reading several books based on presidents and on Obama specifically, I found that they're typically partisan. The Obama legacy targets the heart of the issue by giving credit to the president where it's due, but definitely coming down hard on Obama on his bigger failures, like his handling of the Syrian crisis. If you are in college, going to college, you are an educator, a faculty member, or someone with interest in government or politics, The Obama Legacy is definitely a book to read. My professor recommended The Obama Legacy. A friend actually recommended The Obama Legacy. I would highly recommend this book for anyone, whether for academic use or leisure reading. I would recommend this book to anyone out there searching for an impartial and unbiased look into Barack Obama's tenure as president. I would definitely recommend this book as a good read for both liberals and conservatives. If you just join, my name is Mike Duchenne and this is Sousa. We're talking about important issues that have long-lasting impact in our society. Yesterday, first address to a joint session of Congress by the newly elected president, Joe Biden. It so happened that that address is very close to the first 100 days, just shy of one day, to the first 100 days of the Biden administration. We know how here in this country, we put a great deal of emphasis on the fact that the first 100 days of any administration are important. What they set out to achieve, to accomplish. Now, we will discuss next time the achievement of the first 100 days by Joe Biden. We met to talk about that today, but uh, one thing that we couldn't uh, let go is the rebuttal by Tim Scott, and we decide today to talk about that, but next time we will talk a great deal about the achievement of Joe Biden in the first 100 days and uh, what is the path forward. The first 100 days, as I mentioned, usually considered extremely important because during that time, that's when you will find, well, 
the current administration will define all the agenda that they're going to work on in order to strengthen the legacy. This is important to the current administration. And for as long as we can remember, every administration has always put a lot of emphasis on those 100 days. And of course, people in the media, they also watching, they counting down as to what has done, what has happening, and what is going to happen. So yesterday, as we saw, uh, of course, we watch uh, the President of the United States delivering the address to the joint session of Congress. Now we take a quick look at the actual an excerpt. We 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 clipped. We excerpted two minutes of the speech. What we consider the most important aspect of the speech. I believe uh, the whole ceremony lasted a little bit more than one hour and 30 minutes, approximately. But, of course, all that said during that time, usually, if you pay close attention, there is a very simple message that comes from the speech. Sometimes the individual, the president, would outline what he has in mind as agenda following the first 100 days. And Joe Biden not only has looked at, look back as to what happened when he first took over the presidency and, of course, where his administration is going. So let's take a quick look at what he said and we'll, after that, take a look at what Tim Scott has to say and we'll make some analysis as to what that means for the United States of America. I stand here tonight one day shy of the 100th day of my administration. 100 days since I took the oath of office and lifted my hand off our family Bible and inherited a nation we all did that was in crisis. The worst pandemic in a century the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression, the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War. Now, after just 100 days, I can report to the nation, America is on the move again. Peril into possibility, crisis to opportunity, setbacks into strength. We all know life can knock us down, but in America, we never, ever, ever stay down. Americans always get up. Today, that's what we're doing. America's rising anew, choosing hope over fear, truth over lies, and light over darkness. After 100 days of rescue and renewal, America is ready for a takeoff, in my view. We're working again, dreaming again, discovering again, and leading the world again. We have shown each other and the world that there's no quit in America, none. 100 days ago, America's house was on fire. We had to act. And thanks to the extraordinary leadership of Speaker Pelosi, Majority Leader Schumer, and the overwhelming support of the American people, Democrats, Independents, and Republicans, we did act. Together, we passed the American Rescue Plan, one of the most consequential rescue packages in American history. We're already seeing the results. Well, it was short, of course, the excerpt, and we made it to be that way. And what you just saw, of course, capture not only what really 
a, a, an hour of uh, talk, you get the gist as to where Joe Biden was going. And of course, he outlined what his agenda is for the rest of his tenure in the first term. Now, of course, if you ask Democrats, they say, great. You ask any Republican, they say, eh, there was nothing there. And that's something also we'll address in our next uh, uh, program as to, first of all, what the polls that you saw that I showed you on the side while Joe Biden was delivering his speech. We show you that while this was ongoing, that there were a number of, uh, uh, of survey polls taken where they ask people how they feel about the economy, how they feel about uh, uh, what, what the level of optimism is, and so on and so forth. And based on those results, we saw that it looks like there is a great deal of hope, a great deal of optimism, and there are people who already express the fact that, well, their life already feels better. Now, that's nothing new, because even with the previous administration, you heard people saying the exact same thing, despite the fact that it was dividing the country because the people who support particular individual who support a president, those people always inclined to say good thing about that president. And that's something we'll talk about as to what the polls represent. Now, next, we are going to talk about Tim Scott. We are going to talk about Tim Scott as the individual who gave the rebuttal. Usually when the President of the United States said, give an address to a joint session of Congress, the other party, the opposing party, will pick an individual to provide a rebuttal to what the president said. Now, the opposing party hopes that the people who are watching will stick around and uh, will agree with their point of view instead of what they just heard. That's really the idea that the president outlined his agenda and the other side would say, no, it's not as rosy as you just heard. Instead, we, whichever that political party is, because it's not just Republican, Democrats done the same thing. If it's a Republican president in the Oval Office and the Republican president gives the first uh, an address to the joint session of Congress, you can rest assured Democrats will also have an individual that provides the rebuttal. So as such, in the spirit of tradition, Republicans done the same thing. This time, they chose Tim Scott. Tim Scott is a senator from South Carolina. He serves, is from the same state as Lindsey Graham. Tim Scott is the only black senator in the Republican Party. It has been for a while. The only black. And we'll tell you why what Tim Scott said in the rebuttal is of importance and probably the most dangerous thing that you will ever hear. You see, people with who's been lucky enough to have a position of power, a position of inf influence, those people can help change the course of history, can help remedy pr to problem, and those people 
can help advance the interests of the country. People with power have a lot of influence. And people with a lot of influence usually are able to make, to make a lot of things happen. The President of the United States, as we saw in the past four years, as, as, as much of a moron he was, as divisive he was, any word that comes out of his mouth carries a lot of weight. And the reason was very simple. As President of the United States, everybody watch, everybody follows, everybody repeats, everybody echoes, and in the case of political party, the allies tend to use that as a rallying crime and tend to use that as a way to strengthen the political party. So the words of a president is, are very important. So are the words of senators and congressmen. So what you will hear next, I want you to pay close attention because they're not inconsequential. And we'll tell you why it is that important to pay attention to. And secondly, why we should not shrug it off as if it's political discourse because the past several decades, that's what we've all been doing. That's what we've all been saying. It's gridlock in Washington. Democrats cannot agree with a Republican. A Republican cannot agree with Democrat. And we consider that as okay because it's politics. Maybe it was. But what the past four years have taught us as a country is when we are disengaged, damage, serious damage can be done to the country. And serious damage was done to the country. So as Tim Scott provided his rebuttal to the president address to the joint session of Congress, we could not simply shrug it off. So we'll take a look at what he said and what that means, not only for the United States of America, but also for future generations. After reading several books based on presidents and on Obama specifically, I found that they're typically partisan. The Obama legacy targets the heart of the issue by giving credit to the president where it's due, but definitely coming down hard on Obama on his bigger failures, like his handling of the Syrian crisis. If you are in college, going to college, you are an educator, a faculty member, or someone with interest in government or politics, the Obama Legacy is definitely a book to read. My professor recommended the Obama Legacy. A friend actually recommended the Obama Legacy. I would highly recommend this book for anyone, whether for academic use or leisure reading. I would recommend this book to anyone out there searching for an impartial and unbiased look into Barack Obama's tenure as president. I would definitely recommend this book as a good read for both liberals and conservatives. several books based on presidents and on Obama specifically, I found that they're typically partisan. The Obama legacy targets the heart of the issue by giving credit to the president where it's due, but definitely coming down hard on Obama on his bigger failures, like his handling of the Syrian crisis. If you are in college, going to college, you are an educator, a faculty member, or someone with interest in government or politics, 
The Obama Legacy is definitely a book to read. My professor recommended The Obama Legacy. A friend actually recommended The Obama Legacy. I would highly recommend this book for anyone, whether for academic use or leisure reading. I would recommend this book to anyone out there searching for an impartial and unbiased look into Barack Obama's tenure as president. I would definitely recommend this book as a good read for both liberals and conservatives. If you just join, my name is Mike Duchesne and this is Slusa. We are talking about a very important topic. The President of the United States did give a State of the Union address and immediately after Tim Scott, Republican representative, senators out of South Carolina, provided the rebuttal. Now before we play a really just a minute of his rebuttal, just like we did not play the whole uh, Biden uh, pitch. We will play just one excerpt from Tim Scott's rebuttal. I want you to pay very close attention. The past several weeks, here in this program, we have been talking a great deal about what has been going on in the country, especially in terms of race relations. Just last week, we presented to you, we provided to you stats as to how, in America, blacks are being killed by police officers with impunity. 99% of the crime committed by police officers on civilian remain unpunished. Yes, 99%. You may recall that just a few days ago, Derek Chauvin verdict came out, and because of what had happened in the past, especially in the black community, everyone was bracing for bad outcome. The state of Pennsylvania, New York City, Chicago, and of course, Minnesota, they had the National Guard on standby. No, that is sad. Frankly, it is sad. Now, people may see that as news, as reported in most major network. Before the verdict, you read everywhere on the internet, most article, most publication, had one byline. The nation bracing itself for protest. Again, as I mentioned, that may sound to you like news. Because a verdict is about to be rendered. Major cities across the country had to call the National Guard. In anticipation, there will be major protests. Now, for those of you paying attention, and for those of you who've been watching this program, it should be pretty obvious to you why that is, or why that was. We all watch how Derek Chauvin executed a black man, putting his knee on his neck and left it there for almost 10 minutes and literally looking into the camera as in a very defiant mode showing that he was killing a black man and nobody could do anything about that. And the reason that he could do that is because Derek Chauvin was fairly certain that he wasn't going to pay any price. That's the reason he felt so emboldened, so comfortable doing it and looking into the camera. And from time to time, as we saw 
in the video, he looked down to make certain that George Floyd died. So, if you have a grain of common sense, you watch that video, you don't want anyone to tell you that that guy was guilty of murder. You don't need anyone to tell you that. So in other words, it was a done deal that Derek Chauvin should be found guilty. Now that sounds pretty simple. But in America, we watch time and again a white man, white police officer, gunning down, executing black men, and they get away with it. It all started a very long time ago. Remember Rodney King? Caught on camera, through three police officers, beating him to a pulp. Caught on camera. They weren't punished because this society condoned the action of officers when it is on black people. Fast forward to 2014, we saw the video of Michael Schlager in South Carolina executed a black man. There was, it was not, it was not a grainy video. It was clear, very clear, that he executed a black man. The outcome a year later, hung jury. It so happened, it is exactly in the same state that Tim Scott is representative. The same state. South Carolina, where a video show you a police officer executing a black man unarmed, running away from him, he executed the man, you saw that on the video, and you could not make up your mind that the police officer was guilty of murder. Hard jury. The reason I tell you all that is because of what I'm about to show you that Tim Scott say in his rebuttal for the Joe Biden speech. Those are relevant. I also showed you how Jason Van Dyke executed Laquan McDonald in Chicago. 16 bullet point Brent Ranch. The video was seen by the chief of police. The video was seen by the mayor. The video was seen by the district attorney. They did absolutely nothing to the police officer because it was a black man. We seen Ahmad Aubrey gunned down by father and son in Georgia. We saw the video, and Barnhill, at that time, the district attorney said, there is nothing to see here. Initially, that was the decision. We don't even have to arrest those people. They weren't in the right to kill a black man. In Kentucky, police officer opened fire into a window where Brianna Taylor was sleeping. Kill her. The attorney general said, we're not going to punish those people. They did nothing wrong. They killed a black person. In Minnesota, the same place where Derek Chauvin was being tried, King Porter executed Dante Wright. So far, we don't know how it's going to turn out because the trial is not going to be for another year. Andrew Brown just got executed in the back of his head by a police officer. And the office decided 
well, they say the judge decided not to show the whole video because, well, there is an investigation going. Now imagine if the 22nd of the video that they showed you of a black man being executed in the back of his head, and if you think that's bad, imagine the part that's not sin. I give you all those examples and try to reconcile that with what you're about to hear. Because it is necessary for you to understand that one of the problems that explain the reason that blacks spend so much time in slavery can easily be explained after you watch the video. Because we do not expect, especially those racists, black or white racists, we do not expect them to fight for equality, to work and pass legislation to help level the playing field. In fact, as we are talking today, there is a legislation in the Senate that Republicans are fighting against preventing some policies, legislation to be put in place to prevent police from just getting away with killing blacks. Republicans are against that. They're arguing against it. I mentioned to you at the top of the program that anything that you see that prevents America from advancing, from moving forward, you can rest assured Republicans are always going to be against it. Those are not empty words. We've done our homework here, and we present to you facts about why the country is going through the predicament it's going through. Now, get back to, the, to Tim Scott. Tim Scott is a black man. Obviously, we cannot accuse him of racism. But what you're about to hear is reminiscing of the slavery period. A few blacks who think that whites may like them or may think that they can curry favor from white slaves, masters, they become traitors. They denounce blacks who are plotting to escape. They denounce blacks who were plotting to make sure that they kill their slave masters. So those blacks went to the slave master and tell them what was going to happen. So we saw a lot of black execution, a lot of black lynching, and God, all of that, believe it or not, was the work of other blacks who believe or thought that whites love them, going to protect them. And as such, they went and killed the movement by black slaves trying to put an end to slavery. Had blacks not done those kind of things, I don't think Abraham Lincoln would have been lucky enough to have to sign the Emancipation Act because blacks would have already revolted and whites would have had to be fleeing the area. Because as we mentioned to you during the period of time we were discussing slavery, blacks were doing a lot of good uh, plotting against the slave masters. But as we also show you time and again, it was black, a black individual, man, a woman that would go to the white slave master and told them about the plot. So what we are going to hear from Tim Scott is not shocking because Tim Scott is again a reminder to all blacks in America that while we all fighting to make certain that things are, ch are changed in terms of our predicament, there are blacks who think that they should work with whites who actually don't want anything to be changed. 
You would think Tim Scott, in his position, would use that leverage in order to coach his white counterpart in the Senate to pass legislation in order to make life easier for black? No, of course not. He doesn't to go and say those kind of things. He wants to tell you that racism doesn't exist in America. Maybe you don't believe me. Let's hear it, Tim Scott. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. It's backwards to fight discrimination with different types of discrimination. And it's wrong to try to use our painful past to dishonestly shut down debates in the present. I'm an African-American who's voted in the South my entire life. I take voting rights personally. Republicans support making it easier to vote and harder to cheat. Our president seems like a good man. His speech was full of good words, but President Biden promised you a specific kind of leadership. He promised to unite a nation, to lower the temperature, to govern for all Americans, no matter how we voted. This was the pitch. You just heard it again. But our nation is starving for more than empty platitudes. We need policies and progress that brings us closer together. But three months in, the actions of the president and his party are pulling us further and further apart. It would be almost laughable if it wasn't that tragic, if it weren't that sad. He's a black man, Republican senator, who watched the past four years the president of the United States, Donald Trump, how he did not, he wasn't subtle about it. He openly welcomed KKK. He openly welcomed white nationalists. He openly defended those who were doing harm to blacks. Tim Scott didn't seem to have seen that. But he's talking about Joe Biden, who has made it his business from day one to try to level the playing field for blacks. Now, is a novel idea for, for Tim Scott. How about telling your Republican colleagues to sign into the legislation that will help protect blacks from police brutality, from police murder on the street. How about starting there? Maybe unity can, can be achieved that way. You see, Republicans, in general, this is not anything new. We've been talking about that, we wrote extensively about it, that Republicans do not anything blacks. They work against the best interests of blacks. What's bad is not just the fact that they're not doing anything for blacks, but they work against the best interests of blacks. Now, he's a black man who could have used his position in order to make the point, in order to open the eyes of his colleagues and tell them that, yes, blacks are being mistreated in, Amer in America. Instead, he thinks that he's carrying favor. He's carrying favor from, from, the, from his colleagues in the Senate by pretending that everything is hunky-dory. So he's accusing Joe Biden of dividing the country. That is the reason the country is in the predicament it is in today. Because in slavery, like Tim Scott, who in get out of predicament they're in, they are the one who, who are denouncing blacks trying to work towards that objective. So of course today we don't have slavery. So Tim Scott joined hands with the Republican senators who always work against black, who are now fighting, fighting against the legislation that would curve police behavior, that would hold them accountable, the Republicans, exclusively Republicans, are fighting to prevent that from happening. And Tim Scott is talking about unity. Oh, Joe Biden talked about unity, but 
is sad to see that. It would have been sad to see that it was a white man today in this day and age that pretend that everything is hunky-dory like Graham did. Lindsey Graham went on Fox. I guess that must be their message now. Lindsey Graham went on Fox the other day and said, there is no racism in America. Just a few days ago. Now, he's Tim Scott, a black man who pretend that things are okay for him. He's been living in the South. He has no problem. They don't discriminate against him. They love him. In fact, the whites invite him and just put, you know, red carpet for him. I will give Tim Scott a task to do. To roam the street of South Carolina, not dress as a senator with your tugs suit and see how fast police officers shoot you on the street. But there is no racism in America. I just quoted you a number of those things that have happened. From Martin Luther King to today, blacks have been protesting for no other reason than discrimination in America. And we're still protesting. Dante Wright just got killed. Andrew Brown just got, just got killed. It's an endless process for blacks in America because police officers discriminate against blacks. Education, transportation, no matter where you go, you find that you have to prove yourself. You are already guilty unless you prove yourself to be innocent because that's the way blacks are looked at in America. And Tim Scott, a black man, pretend, oh yeah, everything is okay. No problem. America is not racist. It is sad. It is really sad because we saw that happen during slavery and we thought that was over, that was done with. And here's Tim Scott, black senator, who pretend everything is great. It's Joe Biden that's dividing the country, not the Republican. Currently in the Senate, there is a legislation waiting for Republicans to sign on, to co-sign with the Democrats. And that legislation will help to curb police brutality, police behavior, police and discriminate shooting of blacks. Republicans are against that. They're arguing against it. And Tim Scott thinks there is no racism in America. No racism. It is sad. It is really sad. And I can tell you that every time that I think about how blacks in America are going to get out of this predicament, it becomes more and more difficult to imagine that there is an end to the problem. Because you have whites who are making sure that the status quo stands. But unfortunately, we also have blacks who do believe that by siding with whites, trying to suppress to oppress black, they will curry favor. And that's exactly what Tim Scott did last night. He didn't say anything that's earth-shattering. He didn't say anything that provides a solution to the problem of racism in America. What he tried to do is, the Republican used him as a voice to say, there is no racism in America. Oh, you, you heard? He was a black man saying that. There is no racism in America. How could there be? It was a black man who said that. I hope you can join me next time when we take a look at the achievement that Joe Biden has had in the first 100 days in office. We will also take a look at what's in store for the future. In the meantime, I hope you have a fantastic afternoon or evening, whichever it happened to be. I do hope you can join me again next time.
when we have that conversation. My name is Mike Duchan and this is Luza. Good day. That was an update through the prism of Amazon. Join us again tomorrow at 11 a.m. for a full presentation. I am MD, host of the Sluzo program, the place for common sense. Send us comments, criticism, suggestions, or simply let us know how we do it. Thank you for watching. Have a wonderful afternoon. I get up, I get down, and I'm jumping around And the rumpus and rock get so comfortable now Been a hell of a ride, but I'm thinking it's time to grow So I got an apartment across from the park Put quinoa in my fridge, still I'm not feeling great Been a hell of a ride, but I'm thinking it's time to grow Here we go Our podcast is brought to you in collaboration with the People Branch publication, which can be found on the People Branch website located at peoplebranch.org. That's P E O P L E B R A N C H.org. That's peoplebranch.org website in which you will find a number of very interesting articles my name is mike duchenne md for short i hope you have a great afternoon or a great evening whichever it happens to be hopefully you can join me again next time for another interesting episode of this podcast that, that was Suza. live from new york good day